Hello folks, welcome back to the South Pole Podcast. Going to bring you another episode today. I think this will be the fourth one. This is Doyle. I'm recording from Georgia. Been involved in the uh, South Pole Cattle Association for probably about 15 years. Um, Been enjoying the cattle. Learned a lot along the way. They were not my first cattle, but uh, actually didn't even like them so well when I first started. But I've seen a few things in them that I liked. And uh, my friend Ralph Voss, we've become better friends over the years. At, at that time, new acquaintance. Kept telling me, you know, Doyle, he says, I think in your area where you live, he says, I think you would appreciate the heat tolerance and the insect resistance. Well, those of us that have had South Pole cow, cattle, we definitely agree. We know what he's talking about. We understand. Um... So yeah, learned a lot along the way, really enjoyed it. I talk about uh, not even liking them at first. You know, in the last 10, 15 years, uh, I feel like we've even made some advances to what Teddy gave us. You know, Teddy hasn't quit yet. There's still superb animals coming off a bent tree. I think they've about got to the place where uh, Dave said here recently they expect every cow to produce a herd bull he said now not every farm should be that way you know the rest of us as we as we continue to work on our genetics you know 10 percent maybe is bull quality depends on the value and the quality of your herd if you're not sure he's probably not as good as you think he is a good bull you're gonna know it and everybody else is too there's not gonna be a question we're thinking, do I need to do I need to cut this one or don't I? You know, it shouldn't even be a question. I actually had to tell myself that the other day, looking at a bull and I was seeing the visual signs for tenderness, and uh, kind of like the shape of him, kind of like how he laid out in his package, <clears throat> and then he turned and walked away from him, and I looked at my partner Jamie and I says, uh, "Cut that one too, because we can't do that." You know, I saw some things there in the scrub area. So anyways, let's move on. I was saying there I, I had to make a call to cut a bull because I saw something I didn't like and got a phone call. Sometimes you just get interrupted. Anyways, we're starting out kind of low-key with this podcast. We're going to see if it's something y'all enjoy, and we'll move on from there. Today, I have an article. Once again, by Teddy Gentry, our president, from the Spring 2012 newsletter. This one is titled, Utter's Utmost. Utter confirmation and longevity must be at the top of every cow-calf producer's list. When the utter goes out, the cow goes out. It doesn't matter if she is two or ten. If the utter is no longer useful, the cow is no longer useful. This trait is of uttermost important since no other trait matters if the udder goes. I believe an udder scoring system for cow families will be an extremely useful tool for future breeders. A good udder is one that will outlast the cow. Udders can go bad for a number of reasons. Teats that are too long will eventually balloon. Suspension of udders can break down over time, especially in cows that have too much milk. Since the udder quality is a highly heritable trait, I consider it critical that we use bulls that have stacked pedigrees of good uttered females behind them. 
That's the reason we should continue to use bulls out of old cows that have never missed and still have good udders. There are no excuses for keeping a male for reproduction out of a questionably uttered female. Steer him and ship the cow to slaughter. We should always make sure that the bulls we promote as the elite bulls of our breed are proven for utter quality. It takes time and time alone to lock in these traits. As long as we vigorously and continually cut and cull for utter quality, we will continue to make progress as a breed. That's the end of the article. And uh, I'd like to leave a few of my own thoughts on that. Actually, I, I want to back up a minute. In uh, the previous episode, if you listen to it, talked about flushing cattle. I had the chance to do some embryo transfer work for traditional Devon. And they had a great idea to pre- preserve the old-timey Devons. And I would support them in that. It's it's kind of neat, you know, to know. And in some environments, I think those cattle probably worked well. I took it on as as an opportunity. Yeah, liked working with the people and wanted to see the Devons perform beside the South Pole. I still have South Pole, if that answers your question. Um, we did raise a couple that were really nice. Unfortunately, we lost one. Uh, it was a very, very nice heifer. She got sick. We doctored her. Almost a year later, she started walking like in a dizzy spell and uh, ended up hollering her down to UGA. They got a 24-hour emergency room there for livestock if you're anywhere in our vicinity. And we lost her, and uh, they did offer to clone her. They have that that uh, op- option there on site. But you know, these are they were fairly smart cattlemen, and they said, you know what, if this is the way it goes, we're not going to do that. So they let it go. But you know, a lot of work, even in the embryo transfer. Well, that's still flushing. So you know, I wasn't even involved in the flushing indirectly. I was just taking the embryos and and going on, but. They had done it. They went to England and got them to preserve the old-timey genetics. One thing I wanted to point out is that when you transfer an embryo, the calf takes on a resemblance of the host cow. I used several different types of cows, and it was intriguing to me to note that the calf tend to mirror the cow, even though you could tell it was a devon. The shape married the cow it came out of. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that gets into the in utero epigenetics area. That's something I've I've read a good bit on, but I'm way out of my league, so I'm just going to stop right there. Back to the udders. I totally agree with Teddy. That's where we need to go. That's where I was leading off with the bull. You know, you cut, you cull. You have to take care of that. If it's a question, you need to get rid of it. Mark them for slaughter. Some people run seed stock. Some people run, uh, you know, with the end, the, the end result is a slaughter terminal cross, that sort of thing. Got to have your, uh, your goals and your objectives in mind because I think this is how we've continued to make progress as a breed is we're continuing to cull. Every year, every generation, 
that we call out the problems, the kind will become that much more pure. Will we ever get to perfect cattle? I don't think genetics work quite that way. But genetics are pretty complex. And so that, you know, I don't believe Teddy's been selling us funny cattle. But we've also been breeding, you know, here and there. In the genetic roulette, sometimes you have issues pop up. You know, Teddy cold pretty ruthlessly for temperament. Occasionally, we still get a cow that's a little abnormal. Maybe one that even turns up with a bad temperament. That's not very often. Uh, just saw one the other day in my own herd that was very, very possessive of her calf. Now, if I had kids in that bunch and I was expecting kids to work the cattle, which I, I think is probably a mistake, definitely have your kids with you. But we need to exercise a little caution there. We don't need to be. We don't need to be scared of our cattle. Because we have good cattle, but we need to pay attention. 2,000-pound bull, 1,800-pound bull, 1,600-pound bull, it really doesn't matter. A 1,600-pound, 1,800-pound bull is probably the equivalent silhouette of a 200-pound man. He walks up to a 200-pound man, the man doesn't budge, and he squares off with him. He may accept the challenge and back off. Happened just the other day in a pasture. I'm 185. My buddy's probably a little bit bigger than I am. He's a little taller. Bull walked up to him, and he looked at me. He come right up to me. He lowered his head down. He was ready to see who was bigger. Well, I sidestepped him, so now we're sliding into another topic here. But the animal handling and livestock management, how they uh, they interact. Um, I'm forgetting the term. You can uh, you can move cattle by pressure and release, and most of you are aware of that. When that bull comes up to you and you sidestep, another bull doesn't do that. He lowers his head. They go shoulder to shoulder, head to head. They're pushing. They're turning. They're spinning. They're going to figure out who pushes who. When you do something different than what they see normal, normal animal behavior throws them for a loop, breaks their concentration. We got to teach our kids that as well. That you know there is a safe zone. When that bull comes up to you, give him some space. Keep your eye on him. He's he's not going to charge you. That's not the deal. But you don't want him to be trying to decide who's king of this paddock. Give him his space. That's his space. He owns that paddock, and we're happy about him owning it. Let him own it. We'll move him to the next one. You know, it's little things like that. Sometimes a breeder has to make a decision. You know, I got a little bull that's that's ornery. He always stands in the gate and guards the cows. Do I find that to be a good trait? Do I find that to be a bad trait? Sometimes a cow being possessive of her calf is a good trait. You know, you'd like to think that when the cow comes by or, you know, some people are a little less than scrupulous nowadays. You know, they see a calf laying on the roadside and they think it's homeless. They don't even look for the cow. They pick it up, haul it to an animal shelter. It's happening. You know? If the cow's looking out for a calf, the type of people that stop and pick up calves from dairies on the side of the road, they're going to leave when a cow chases them. So, hey, I hope y'all have a great day. Uh, we're approaching a field day. Hope to see some more of y'all there. And uh, we'll be back at you here maybe in another week or so. Maybe after the field day, we'll have some interviews and uh, we'll have some more news for you.